Welcome on into the Baseline Podcast. Got another massive guest today, uh, Matt Brooks, uh, beat beat reporter, beat writer, covering the Brooklyn Nets and Nets Daily. Uh, Matt, how are you doing today? I'm good. We're being a little loose with the word massive, but I'm good. It's it's good to be here. <laughs> man, look, coming from New Zealand, man, we, there's, we, we just don't have um, a lot of exposure to, to people that are around the NBA. So, um, yeah, I, pretty massive guest for, for this podcast and um, someone who's part of, um, you know, being around an organization that's gone from zero to 100 in the last three years. Um, yeah. Tell us a bit about your journey and then how things have been for you over the last couple of years as well, man. Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey. Um, you know, I, I started covering the team and really picked that picked up in the year that they, um, you know, they started actually playing well. So I lucked out pretty, pretty <laughs> nice. I'm from California originally. So I moved out here, I don't uh, whatever summer that was, 2018, I believe. Um, so moved out here 2018. Um, and, and had the choice to like cover the Knicks or the Nets. I picked the Nets. I was like, you know what? (laughs) There's not a ton of coverage going on over here. You know, I kind of, and it was just sort of, I, I, I knew I wanted to try to get like media credentialed and stuff like that. So I figured, okay, look, like if it's (laughs) the, if it's the Nets, it's going to be a little easier to do that. That turns into the year that, that they really start playing well. There's that very fun, whatever they went 42 and 40, I think. Um, team with D'Angelo Russell, you know, uh, this was when Dinwiddie started really, you know, looking really, really promising. Um, Joe Harris started breaking out. He started just being like the guy that's going to shoot whatever 57% on wide open threes or whatever, some, something in the ballpark of that. <laughs> um, and that's kind of where it went. You know, it's, it's this weird, just sort of, um, I don't want to call it luck of the draw, but I don't know what else to, to call it. You know, <laughs> I just covered this team and they, randomly get these stars and then that snowballs into a third star so it's a weird thing it's it's been a weird thing for me to even like fully um you know just compartmentalize it's just it's, yeah. <laughs> it's weird how it's worked it's it's look it's it's awesome man and i think um the people that knew sean marks down here and and what he what he did for new zealand basketball early on um would probably know that he was going to have some type of success after he finished playing um and you know, not only was he the first, um, uh, you know, NBA player uh, from New Zealand, um, he was part of the the, the team that um, the New Zealand team that played so well at the 2002 um, World Cup. Um, you know, he played played 200 games in the NBA, but was around was in then around the NBA for for approximately 10 years, and then was part of a Spurs organization where obviously he played he played for the Spurs, and then became part of that um the ethos and, and that that real strong spurs culture and i think when the, the people that were not casuals but the people that were a little bit more removed would have seen that and then realized okay well this this guy now he's being a serious part of the spurs organization this guy is now putting in the legwork where he's going to be he's going to have a you know a pretty decent job pretty soon i didn't I didn't expect, and, and I'm not sure if the people really closely did, that he would jump straight into a, a general manager's role. I mean, that was a that was a pretty big jump, but clearly he had the nous um, and you know the the connections and the smarts for working within the Spurs to be able to do that. What what, what more do you know about about um, Sean's journey into into getting that that GM role? Um, and it, it seemed like quite such a quick rise, even though the people that know 
him and know about him you know it was not automatic but it was the sort of like he knew he could do do the job but it seemed like quite a quick rise though I mean, the job at first, really, like that was described widely as like one of the worst jobs you could take in the NBA. I mean, <laughs> you're taking this team that has no draft picks, which now that's not that crazy of a thing. Then it was a novel idea. Now it's like every good team. You look at the Clippers, Lakers, Nets, uh, who else? The Bucks. like they none of them have first round picks. But at that point, it was like, you know, we were still in a point where I actually think we were probably in the peak of what we thought the value was of first round picks. Um, I think we reached a real Valley and then we went back up and that at that point he took that Nets job. And, you know, I mean, what he's basically done is he's applied everything that has made the Spurs successful for 20 years. Um, the family atmosphere, which it all sounds, and he's admitted it before he said, look, like, you know, I know it kind of sounds like a marketing thing and like, it's a, whatever, a slogan, the culture thing that really, you know, took, took hold that first year, but you look at it this year and it's no, it's not a marketing statement. It's, it's really crazy that he's been able to do that. His confidence in what he was able to build has been completely justified. And they've every little winding turn that he's had a challenge, whether it was, you know, just actually getting, you know, real talent and and trying to build something and attract other players this year. I mean, I know it looks great right now. I mean, maybe people aren't aware, but there's been very little, like, it, it just seems like a generally happy team. Um, but I don't know there's a different universe where that doesn't turn out like that. That, you know, this is a group of three stars. That in itself is a big ask. And, you know, I mean, I, I think that a lot of that just comes down to the things that he's put in place, the training staff, the the just the, the general way that they treat their players, the way they you know, handle media availabilities for their players. He's just kept this stuff and just come in with a con concrete plan really from the beginning. And obviously you, you know, you break off and you learn things along the way, but he's kept these general philosophies from the very beginning and he hasn't changed it, which I think is, if we're discussing Sean Marks, like that's maybe one of the more impressive parts about him. Now, granted those things that he's kept in place, that, you know, the way that they treat their players, that's going to appeal to stars, but there is always that, that, you know, I mean, depending upon who you are or, you know, what, whatever, like it's situations can change and maybe you have that family atmosphere, like take the Clippers from two years ago. Um, they have this like great culture. It's they got uh, SGA, all these guys breaking out next year, bring these stars in and there's preferential treatment. There's these things that kind of breaks apart the locker room. They haven't had that. And, and that's just, I think, a credit to what Sean's built. I mean, there's just, I don't know what else to say because there's a million different ways it could have gone, but it's gone exactly as he's wanted it. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think that from the start, you, you don't have to scroll. You know, I've looked through his transaction list many a times on Basketball Reference. You don't have to, when you look at the start from when he first began, right from day dot, he didn't muck around. He was straight away in and making moves. And I think that, take away like people would say oh he had the cap space and you know, he could anyone could have got Durant and, and Kyrie and it's like well hold on what you have to understand when you dive a little bit deeper is the moves that he made uh, on the margins were that was what enabled him to be able to build that team at the time like take Joe Harris for example um, Joe Harris had been drafted by the Cavs um, he was on I think one of the finals teams but he didn't he might have played like one minute in the playoffs he was yeah. basically out of the league. Like he was basically out of the league. 
you bring in a guy like him and when i go back to the to the transaction list this is right at the start of when um of when he came in so he hired kenny atkinson as coach um and then right early on there july 19th 2016 is when he signs joe harris then here's a guy that was basically very close to being out of the league so these guys were on waivers um, or as free agents, they were only going to be minimum dudes. Lots of teams could sign 10 guys on the minimum and and maybe zero would pan out, you know? And of those, you might say that a couple would pan out and could be like back-end rotation players or back-end bench guys. So here you've got Harris, Dinwiddie. Both of them ended up being strong starters. And Harris yep. has gone on to be a high-level shooter and the best part about it was he was getting value on the minimum here where you sign someone to a three-year, $4 million deal. By the end of that deal, Harris is shooting something like 45% from three, 10 or 12 points a game. Other teams are paying these guys. Now, I know they had to work out, but other teams are paying these guys 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 20 million. Sean came in and got value right away by using the the organization, the the culture that he had there, um, you know, bringing in people to go and um, you know train these guys and use the, the the systems that he built to to great to great effect. And th- those couple of transactions I look at, and I think you know Dinwiddie and Harris were key parts to building that uh, early on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's even like you mentioned Dinwiddie. Um... They're even like their G League um, team and especially their general manager, Matt Riccardi, is just he's excellent, too. Like he's got an excellent eye for talent. And it's just like every possible spot you could want to have people. He's kind of he's built that in a very short time. And I think that's part of it, too. Like, you know, I mean, on top of like, you know, you want to you want to maintain your same general philosophies. You also want to hire smart people and, and you know, as, as great as he's done. He hasn't really gotten an ego. He hasn't said, um, you know, I can do this, so we don't need to build this out. Like he's he's just constantly surrounded himself by smart people and listened to them. And I think that that is just like, that's another thing that really goes under the radar. So um, yeah, it's just, there's a bunch of little things. I mean, they, they're still looking, and I that's the fun part about this year is they're still looking for developmental players. You have Nick Claxton right now, who is a second round pick. Granted, you know, he's, he's you know, he hasn't spent a ton of time in the G League. He has spent some time, but, you know, you look at Alizé Johnson. They just brought him on. He's showed some things. I think, I mean, Durant's like over the moon about him. Durant loves him. And there's just a lot of, they're still kind of, they're maintaining what made them a destination in the first place. Family values, um, constantly unearthing, you know, young players. Yeah. But you're combining that with a title team. For me, that's super interesting, right? You get the best of both worlds. You get the exciting prospect side of things. And you're getting a team that's also going to be really good. I mean, it's it's a weird, it's been a fun thing for me on the outside, you know, just watching them night to night. Um, it makes for a pretty unique experience, and I just that's just impressive, you know. It it really is. I just think it's it it speaks a lot about him and just what they built there. Yeah, agreed. And I, and I think that's probably the tough part for the NBA teams as they continue to build is what. Once you've exhausted your your draft picks and, and you've got your star players in and you're looking to contend, then sometimes teams go away from the focus of maximizing, you know, their ten days or maximizing the two way contracts. And the Brooklyn Nets have have continued to 
they haven't just brought in two or three stars and then stopped doing what made them great, as you said. That they've continued to to build and and bring through those those younger guys. The 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 toughest part of when I'm looking at at some of these teams is as they continue to build uh, has been the transition to bringing in mega stars, and I mean getting obviously Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving was was massive for the franchise. Now when James Harden requested a trade. We, we knew in the offseason probably, you know, there was a slight chance and then things got uglier at the start of the of this season. Um, did you think that, that James Harden was going to be, when he requested his trade, did you think that the Nets were a destination? Yeah, I heard it was really close. <laughs> like the during the preseason, like really, really close. Yeah. Um, and maybe closer than it was reported i don't it's kind of hard those details are a little murky but that's what i heard uh, funny enough though <laughs> it was through somebody who you know it's it's ended up being a somebody i feel pretty good about knowing that from so um yeah i i i think like the the hearted thing was funny because it got really close and then it just sort of it's ended you know houston wanted to see what it was out there and i actually i thought it wasn't going to happen for a while I just I figured that Philly was going to come in there and they're going to have this deal with Ben Simmons that, you know, I, I like Harris Levert. I actually think he's looked pretty good in Indiana, but I just wasn't sure if that was going to top it, you know, and I figured it's like if it's the difference between, you know, however many picks between Brooklyn and Philly, having that like marquee guy, I just figured that was sort of going to be the difference maker. Ultimately was not. I also would assume that I think they Brooklyn probably to get it across the finish line put in a little more draft capital than was originally was going to be. So, um, and, and I think, you know, I mean, again, we've, we've talked a lot about Sean, you know, not just going in for a title run and that's it. Like he really wants to see this as a 10 year thing. I mean, he think about where he played, think about where he learned all this stuff. You don't want to just put all your chips in at once. You're building something long-term. So I, I they're still going to do it. I think they're still going to try for it. That's why you see all these 10 day guys, these two way guys, like, they want to see what they can come up with. You know, you could easily trot in whatever, uh, whoever be- veterans, and they're bringing in veterans for sure. But it's it's an interesting thing. It's 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 really cool, and uh, you can kind of see what if you know, let's say this big three, they win, everybody goes their separate ways. You got a, a little core of if they bring back Bruce Brown, Landry Shamit, Nicholas Claxton, like it's. It's not. It's not going to win you anything. It might not even win you twenty five percent of your games, but it's something, and it's it's yeah. it's uh it's an interesting thing that that that's kind of the back end of their rotation, I guess. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, and, but the, the 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 key is though to that that the way that he's built the team is that um he's he's got guys in there on these these value contracts, so that at the end of the day, if if these big these big three this these high tier players if they end up leaving then um he can go back to using his cap space to absorbing bad deals again and i mean the guy like as i grew my cba knowledge and i learned about the moves that he made um on the edges and you know using his using the nets cap space to get assets and then you know trading back for example from the 28th pick in the draft to the 32nd so interesting (laughs) yeah, <laughs> you know, like like the, the, he was he was playing um, chess while everyone else, well, not everyone else, but a lot of teams were playing checkers, you know, and 
using that using his extra cap space to be able to you know save a little bit of money so he could get a guy with the 32nd pick instead of the 28th and the way that that he's gone about building the team has been uh, yeah has been absolutely it's been fascinating but also been a testament to to his his team building skills and the way he's learned um so changing tack for a second how how has it been like obviously you talked about um the Knicks versus the Nets and I, it's it's fascinating because obviously the Knicks have been the bashing boy of of the NBA for a while now and a a, a, a team fan you know who doesn't really give a shit about um the overall picture sometimes that probably doesn't care too much but um, the Knicks being strong is obviously good for the NBA because they're such a good market. Um, but sorry, such a big market. But obviously, they've been the laughing stock for a while. The thing is now, though, that that the Nets still are it. They're their gold standard. They're one of the best teams in the East. How has that dynamic been as an overall? And it's interesting, obviously, now to see that the Knicks are finally good. Um, it's taken a while. Yeah, no, it's. It's been good. I've liked the matchups, like the way they've played each other. Um, part of it's that they're just polar opposites. <laughs> like they literally are the the just they couldn't be more different. Um, <laughs> the Knicks, the Knicks are a just it's they're the most maximized version you can get of that group. Um, and it's funny they have this top five defense. Who's going to make all defense from that that team? Probably nobody. It's yes. it's literally. The, this team that comes together, they're just a sum of their parts. They remind me a lot of the Nets from uh, when they first made the playoffs, you know, with the D-Lo team. So that's pretty fun. Then you look at the other side of things, and it's this Nets team. This Nets team, on a good day, it's an okay defense. I'll put it that <laughs> way. But they got all this firepower, stars. They have Blake Griffin on the team now. Like, it's yeah. such a funny thing to watch, and I love it personally. Um, I think it's a really odd thing in a lot of ways i think they've flipped identities where you know this this nets team as the knicks are chasing stars and they're trying to bring in everybody they're trying to become this destination the nets are you know accumulating assets they're you know making subtle deals on the margins um now those identities have flipped nets are now the marquee destination they're i mean i think that one of the big appeals of you know for sean especially is because he's nailed this and brought in these stars if they win a championship he doesn't care about those picks because they can become a destination long term and you look at like look at what the lakers have done the lakers before they brought in you know uh lebron and anthony davis it was pretty mixed (laughs) like you have the entire magic johnson saga basically before lebron comes you get lebron in and guess what all of a sudden you're winning a championship and that's what i think sean and the nets are really trying to build is they just got to get one. They get two, great. And then all of a sudden, that's a sustained amount of success. So that's what the Nets are building. The Knicks, are, you know, meanwhile, are making savvy moves, bringing in, you know, I mean, even like Derrick Rose at the deadline. Like, it's so fascinating how these two things have interchanged almost. And I love it. I personally love it. The rivalry's back. Uh, it's Twitter is, you know, Nets fans and Knicks fans are <laughs> going at each other all the time. I mean, it's peak Twitter right there. So it's, it's great. I, I love it. Um, I don't know if they're going to play each other in a playoff series, but if we get that, it'd be a treat. Uh, it really wouldn't. I think it would be, it would be, it would, the viewership would be nice. I think there'd be a lot of people watching that. 
I think so. I think so. And I think it's it's good for the region, man. I mean, it's been, yeah, it's been a, a minute. It's been tough. Yeah. <laughs> it I mean, it's been for tough. A, for a while, both teams were crap. And obviously that that's tough, you know, for, a, you know, the hoops, the hoops mecca, um, one of the hoops meccas. So talking about the roster, man, I mean, when it's like a who's who of, of NBA basketball over the last 10 years, when you, when you read the, the roster, um, Joe Harris, Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, Landry Shamit, DeAndre Jordan. Um, is Timothy, is Lawaru Cabarro, is he still on the team? He is. He's just, it's, he's, yeah, uh, yeah. The shooter, he was like, yeah, he he. Well, it was he's had an interesting run. He's like started for periods of the season that other times he's getting DNPs. Right now, I think he's, I think he's out of the rotation. I think we, I, got, I think I we've got officially gotten stacked, there. <laughs> pretty stacked rotation. Um, yeah, but you had Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin. I mean, you've got five or six guys there that have been All NBA or um, you know All Stars, MVPs, won championships. Like what? The team is just as full of stars now. For you, like being in the 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 locker room and sort of covering the team, I mean, you're pinching yourself, man. Like it's a it's a crazy makeup of different talents and identities, <laughs> and do you know what I mean? It's 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 wild. Well, first off, we we didn't even mention Lamarcus Aldridge. There was, which is yes. weird, that we're never ever going to get a Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin. LaMarcus Aldridge lineup like that's there's a different universe where that's thrown out there and it's just like I don't even know what you do with that like you're just watching that like this is how is this happening like how is this on the same court um yeah no I mean in terms of pinching myself weirdly enough the guy that I probably was pinching myself over the most was the head coach I mean Nash like him and Garnett were the reasons I got into basketball um Garnett my dad's from Minnesota. So I started watching first basketball I watched was the uh, Timberwolves, which, you know, is, that was probably the peak of it right there. And ever <laughs> since then it's gone downhill. But when I started watching, they had Garnett and they, they were, you know, like they did conference finals. Um, just a nice little run right there. Nash was the other player I really got into. I grew up playing soccer and watched soccer and just love soccer growing up, love baseball. But I remember watching Nash that was when I really was like, oh, I like this sport. I had a team I liked it, it with the Timberwolves. That was a team I liked. But I realized I liked this sport because of him. Because he kind of yeah. maps the floor. And it's really, it's very modern the way the, you know, the way he played um, and the way those sons played. I like that he mapped the floor. You know, in soccer, you want to spread out as much as possible. You want to use as much as the field as you possibly can to get maximum spacing. Which now you're looking back at that sort of uh, frame of mind and that soccer frame of mind that I had, it's all because of Steve Nash, and it's really weird how applicable that is. So for me, when when he first gets, you know, he's doing pressers and whatever he's announced, um, that was weird for me because I'm like, this is the reason I like this sport, this guy right here, and it's just it's interesting. And so I, I still have moments where it's a little weird for me personally. You know, it's like whenever I watch, I was watching highlights of him the other day and I'm like, this is super weird. <laughs> like, I'm going to be talking to this guy in whatever, a couple yeah. hours. Like, it's a weird thing. But so him was him was crazy. And then and then KD, too. I mean, KD was just I one of the God, I, I don't even know, like one of the first jerseys I remember buying for myself 
was a Kevin Durant jersey. Like my own money, I went and bought that jersey. So <laughs> that was pretty cool for me. It's like these little moments that yeah, in my basketball upbringing, whatever you want to call it, um, it's it's all kind of tied to this team. It's just a, it's a super cool thing. So yeah. yeah, I mean, at first especially it was crazy, but now it's it's funny. You know, you kind of you know what type of questions they all like, and yeah. um, it's a it's a cool thing. You know what type of answers you're gonna get from them, and you just yeah, that's that's the relationship right there. <laughs> you, just, you just roll with it. Yeah, that that's cool, man. Yeah. It's interesting. You talk about Steve Nash and that obviously the way that NBA offenses are these days, you know, you have to give a lot of the credit to, to Steve Nash and the, the seven seconds or less sons, you know, Mike D'Antoni. Um, and that, I mean, it, it, I listened to podcasts with Steve Nash. I think he was on with JJ Reddick about six mm. or eight months ago. And, you know, he talked about how he didn't shoot enough th- threes, you know, and, and yep. one of the greatest shooters of all time, like, if you looked at his, if you jumped in a basketball reference and looked at his percentages, um, and you'd you'd realize for people that weren't sort of brought up around that time that this guy was this guy was an all timer, and you know he didn't he often was or not often, but he was always looking to set his teammates up first. You know that was the type of player that he was. But yep. what he did for the game with with that team and. Um, some of those those offenses that they had, you know, 51 offenses um, and some of the greatest offenses of all time in terms of the actual points per game that they scored is that they don't get as much credit as they should for changing NBA basketball. Everyone sort of says the war- the Warriors. Now, yeah, obviously the Warriors um, did change things in terms of the way that they, they shot the ball, um, but you, you have to give credit to those, you know, the the early 2010 Spurs and you have to give credit to the Suns there. What, what do you see in the way that that Steve Nash coaches the teams where he's continued to use um, those things that he he did as a player, but do you see similar things in the offenses and the way that he was coached or the way that he played earlier on and, and what he's doing for the Nets now? I mean, when they first started, actually, I have to check what they are in pace, uh, but when they first started playing um it was very close if not the exact same to the offense that he that he played in 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 uh phoenix like the sets they're running they're running whatever you want to call it pistol 21 um they they ran that just like crazy it was like every (laughs) like every other possession they're running pistol i'm like okay i guess we're (laughs) like it's sure i guess we got the suns you know the first however many weeks it's like he's talking about how he wants the team to play faster and faster and faster Mind you, I think they're like a top five team in base. So it's funny. They came out the gates just like gunning it. And I think they've settled into something that's a little bit a little bit more of a balance. There's there's elements for sure of his basketball upbringing. But, you know, there's stuff from KD's time in the Warriors, you know, especially as the season went on. They're running little split cuts and stuff like that. that yeah. You saw a ton for KD in, in Golden State. So it's just been funny. You've kind of seen the evolution for him, not just as a basketball mind, but just like as a coach, like watching the confidence for him come along the first months, like it was shaky. It was like, he'd make a decision and you didn't quite, you weren't quite sure if he was fully confident in the decision that he made or if he, if he, you know, he could verbalize it just with reporters with us. Um, So let's say he doesn't call a timeout at the end of the game. He kind of explains in a weird roundabout way now, if you ask him something, he's got 
a whole explanation, well thought out. Here's what I was thinking, bup, 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 bup. And it's really fun to watch because we always knew that for, for Steve, like we know the basketball IQ is there. Of course, he's one of the smartest players to ever do it. Um, you know, we knew that the personality aspect in terms of having the players buy in, that was there, you know, from the get-go. It, it, it really felt like that part was going to translate. It was just a question of the actual, you know, the coaching side of it. And you, it's been really fun for me to watch him pick that up as the season has progressed, progressed, progressed. It's, it's been a cool thing. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been, he's come in with this like outline of his, you know, son's background and it's just grown into other things and they've taken in aspects of their stars and their, their players' histories. It's just fascinating. It's been a fun thing to watch. Yeah. Yeah, It's cool. And I, and I think that the, the fascinating thing has been that like, when you look at the, at the three main star players is that, there's three quite different types of of offensive player there, um, and I mean I know Kyrie's had some injuries, uh, and, and he probably doesn't get the credit that he deserves. But there are three of the greatest offensive players playing on the one team that you've that we've ever seen. I mean, um, Kevin Durant. I've liked listening to Kevin Durant's podcast. I think it's called the Etc. Um, mm-hmm. Really, I've been listening. I got onto that a couple of days ago, and just the, the the hate that that Kevin Durant got after joining the Warriors, like I, that never sat, sat comfortably with me, and it wasn't it wasn't that I thought it was it wasn't about the move. It was like I always want to see greatness appreciated, um, and there's there's a, there's probably I don't think we'll ever see a guy at six ten be able to do the things that that Kevin Durant does on the basketball court. You know, we're talking about a guy that's basically close to 50, 40, 90 every year. One of the mm-hmm. greatest mid-range shooters of all time, uh, all-time great um, free-throw shooter. Um, and there's certain positions where you, you give him the ball on the court and, and you know, there's, there's no one really that can guard him. Um, you have James Harden, um, you know, one of the greatest foul drawers of all time, um, has sort of changed the game with the way that he draws fouls and the step back three has been, you know, he, people were shooting it before him, but he's sort of got that in vogue with, and it's probably killed youth coaches all around the world as seven-year-olds try and step back yeah. from 30 feet. That um, and Curry. <laughs> you got a lot of players probably playing wrong. Yeah. Shooting <laughs> for what shooting they can do. 10, shooting one from 10 from outside when they're nine years yeah. old. Um, <laughs> but then, and obviously Kyrie Irving as well, you know, one of the greatest handles. Uh, he's another guy that's basically 50, 40, 90 and has the, the one of the widest arrays of skills. How, when you're talking about playoff basketball, um, these, there, there's three guys there that, I know Harden doesn't have a title, but he's still been there, done that. He's been to the conference finals. He's played a multitude of playoff games. When things slow down and when we get to playoff basketball and you've got these three um, different types of players, I would never say that they don't they don't fit together because they have different skill sets. Um, how do you think things will change though when you go from the regular season to the playoffs? Because as much as like I love the the regular season in terms of the storylines and you know there's going to be injuries and um, you know there's going to be shit going down between teammates or whatever it is. Playoff basketball is completely different. How do you see things working for them as a team? Not not just in terms of will they win it or whatever, but how, how do you see things changing in terms of the offense 
um, and even the rotations in terms of those three guys? Well, that's a good question. That's the million dollar question there, right? <laughs> they played what 186 total minutes. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I wish I had that answer a little more crystal clear coming yeah. into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, I barely team. seen them. <laughs> they played seven games. Like, I don't know. One of them was against the Cavs and Colin Sexton dropped 40. Like that game's just a wash. <laughs> so, um, no, I mean, I think you saw it. Like if, if you watch the two games, um, against the Bucks last week, which I thought were really, really great, great games, like just yeah. awesome games, but painted a very clear picture of where the Nets are and what it's going to look like. You see it, like you're watching the games and it's like, oh, you need Harden handling the ball. Like Harden, it's weird that he's the one that doesn't have the championship. I actually think he's the best winner of the bunch. Like he just, wow. there's something that he brings as a baseline that, and it, and Maybe we'll see if that translates to the to the playoffs. Obviously, a very different game, but his consistency and just the way he orchestrates things is so crucial for them. And it's yeah. funny you watch this team now. Everybody's saying, "Oh, they don't need Harden. Harden's a luxury." Some people were saying they're actually going to get worse when they bring in Harden. Oh, they need. They actually. I don't know if they're going anywhere. They're losing in round two if they don't have Harden. I mean, it, it's it's astounding how much. They need him. So he's going to handle the ball. They're going to run sh- like just the, 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 I'm, I'm sure their pick and roll possessions are going to go because they're not running much pick and roll right now because they don't have anybody who can, who can manipulate that type of a game like, like Harden can. So yeah. you have that. You have, you know, Kyrie either attacking from second side. But the biggest thing is that the staggering of the minutes, I think, is going to be so, so huge. And that'll be the biggest jump. You won't have these lineups. They've, you know, really since the first game of the year, um, Steve is like to have kept Kyrie and KD playing together for most of their minutes. Yes. Now you're going to run these hard and only lineups, get Landry Shamit going, get Joe Harris going. And I yeah. think that's what you're going to see is it's just going to be this either Kyrie and KD or Harden or the all three of them at all times. And that'll, I think, be the biggest change in terms of what they're doing out there. We know what these guys can do. We know how they're going to play. They're going to play the exact same way in the playoffs because it works. I mean, they're all great players for that reason. But the big thing you'll see is, yeah, rotations will shorten a little bit, but you'll just see more of the stars. You won't see any lineups with, without them, you know, not yeah. in it. So, and that, that all depends on how Harden looks this week with his ramp up from the hamstring injury. But that that would be that would be the big change for me. And it's, it's a big one. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And I, I what I... What I think is that um, Harden, it was tough. The Rockets, his time with the Rockets, you know, they had some of the greatest offenses of all times, of all time as well. When you, when the Chris Paul, the two years with Chris Paul there, I mean, one of the years I think they might have won sixty two games. You know, it was an absolutely ridiculous year, and and you know, if a couple of things had gone differently, you know, obviously they had missed twenty nine straight threes or whatever it was. Um, you know, Chris Paul going down injured. Um, there were things that happened there that, and I don't know if that means that that they win a title, but you know, they at least make one finals. They get to play against a Cavs team, which I mean, maybe they beat LeBron, maybe they don't. Is that Harden has mastered NBA basketball? He hasn't won a title, but he's basically broken the the offensive game in the way that you can continue to score and. The guy, if he'd played another five years on the Rockets with similar teams, he probably averages 30 to 33 points a game just for the next four or five years and breaks 
all these scoring records, you know, um, because he's a he's an absolute freak. And his, I think people don't also realize that um, as that Rockets team broke down a little bit later, they don't realize how great of a passer he is. When mm-hmm. when he started adding to his game, um, so first he added he added the floater, um, and he what he wasn't being guarded like he's been guarded the last year or two before he added that floater you know he adds a floater that's that that he's hitting um at rates that you know are probably close to to as high as anyone else in the league and when you add to that his volume of getting to the rim um and drawing fouls at a crazy rate obviously the step back three but you don't have to go back far probably just to the peak years with clint capella um his pocket passes in the pick and roll, um, his passes to PJ Tucker in the corner, the, doing several things, not just one or two, doing four, five, six, seven things on a basketball court, which is probably only, the only other guys you could mention that would be doing that would probably be LeBron. Um, I mean, you know, KD is a good passer as well, but there's not many who have that, that skill set. And Harden, when you add in other players that are, that are complementary, um, and but you put it into a different culture. Now, I was a big, big Daryl Morey fan, um, you know, and and on the Rockets there. But you know, things obviously weren't going right with ownership. But you're adding Harden in now to something that's already been built, um, and he's come in, and you've seen the guy. He was having you know eleven assists, thirteen assists, fifteen assists, and if you were to just watch him just on the on on the court uh, for this team, you're seeing uh, a guy that's isn't just an all-time great scorer, but he is an amazing passer as well. Yeah, and I think that's the part that's gotten a lot of shine, and and it's the thing he's tapped into. I mean, he's he he. It's funny you. <laughs> he says he he hasn't changed too much, and I I agree in in the sense of like he hasn't the way he's doing things, the way he's making plays hasn't really changed. But I do think that the mentality has changed slightly. Whether it's his and it's it it doesn't matter if it's his style of play or not. There has been something that has shifted in terms of him just up here, up 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 in his head. The way he's playing, the way he's trying to make sure that he's setting up not just himself with the right play of, of a lob, a kick out to the corner, uh, the floater, the step back, but now he's having to account for two other stars. And I just think you see that the way that it and it shows up in his numbers too. Um, just that I think has really shifted how he works. And I, I'd be really curious to see if it makes him a more effective player. I mean, yeah, it seems like a, a real well done moment. Like you put better players about somebody and they're going to look better, but I'm really curious what it does for him. If it helps him sort of maintain his effectiveness. And I mean, let's be honest, not burn out. Let's not run into a situation where he's got too much on his plate. Cause I do think we ran into that, especially his last year in Houston, where it was just, it felt kind of unsustainable even after that big break to go into the bubble. Um, it's just, I think it's really fascinating and and it's been exciting for him to get, I think, a lot of exposure for aspects of his game that he hasn't probably gotten a ton of shine for, um, just that ability to create for others. It's It's been a cool thing to see just from an outsider um, that, that side of his game getting the attention I think it deserves. Yeah, I, I agree agree 100%. He, def- he definitely deserves that. When we'll quickly we'll finish off talking about the playoff matchups. Now the East 
his Eastern Conference has got some shit for probably the last few years. Um, <laughs> but I feel now with with Miami being stronger, um, you know, the Bucks have been good for a bit. The Knicks being strong is ob- obviously great. But then even at the the Hawks with the coaching change, I, I don't think mm-hmm. I love Trey Young, but I don't think I would never have guessed that they would have been in the, in the fifth seed. Uh, and as I'm scrolling down now, you see that the play-in tournament potentially have um, Indy and, and Washington with uh, with the Celtics as well as um, the Charlotte Hornets there on eighth. When looking Who just at lost Jalen Brown for the year, by the way. Boston just yeah. lost Jalen yeah. Brown. I just saw that before I jumped on. I mean, talk Man. about the year of injuries. Absolutely. Holy cow. They've had a just brutal. absolute nightmarish season, even with all the progress that that, that uh, Tatum and Jalen really have showed like yeah. that's just that's it's just that right there is a microcosm of this Celtics season is that happening however last week of the season you lose the guy that's gonna I mean what are, I don't they're not gonna last around I don't think and you lose that guy that's gonna take you you know potentially make you a tough out at the very least so that sucks I'm pretty I was pretty sad to see that I mean you Jalen Brown's awesome but yeah. it's you never know. It's going to be a weird playoff, so you don't want to see yeah. uh, a, a player go down like that. Yeah. Do you, so, so do, when you look at the at where the uh, where they sit in the standings now, the Nets um, and the second seed there, does the the way that you're that you're looking at it, does the play in tournament make things interesting in terms of a potential first round matchup um, mm. or? Is it more like when I when I look at it, I think um, the three teams at the top are uh, are pretty clearly um, away. Like they're they're in a group on their own, which is the 76ers, the Nets, um, and the Bucks. Now I I still think the Heat are a great team, but they haven't really clicked the way that that I thought they would. I would still pretty clearly mm-hmm. put them in a second group or maybe in one on their own if they can click. Are there any teams at the bottom there who you think? Potentially, if you add in a play-in tournament, I don't think it, then Indiana are going to do anything. But is there anyone else there? Like, I don't know, the Wizards, I'm not a big fan. But what do you think about that first-round matchup for those teams, and particularly the Nets? Yeah, I mean, I think the Nets the Nets are in a position where, honestly, it's weird. I think the Wizards are probably the best test for them um, just because you – and it's weird. I, I The big thing this year – Anybody that can score with them can make it competitive because the Nets aren't playing defense. The Wizards aren't playing defense, but those games have been competitive this year. So if you're looking at anybody now as a draw for the Nets, I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be Washington, the one that they're trying to avoid. Now that could happen. They're what seven and three in their last 10. Um, that's a matchup. They get to the eight. All of a sudden, they're playing for that seven spot. I bet you they could be Boston twice because of everything that's going on. Um, that's kind of interesting. I, I personally, I'm not like a Nets fan or anything. So like, I want to have really entertaining matchups. So I'm looking at Washington right now. That's a series that I would be just interested in covering in, um, you know, going back and watching those games to prep for that. But if, if they draw one of these teams, let's say they draw like Boston or I, I mean, Indiana's very slim. Actually, I don't even think that could happen. Let's say they draw Boston. Um, that's a series where if they're getting hardened back, so he's getting his legs under him, that's the kind of draw they want. We don't know how many games they're going to get for him because he's going to, I mean, he's probably going to be on a minutes restriction by the time the first round comes around. So that's, that's huge for them. They got to keep this two spot 
and they've been a little bit, you know, they've been a little uh, in and out about how they're they're playing things with regards to seeding and stuff like that. But I actually think there's a ton of draw. If you can get that too, um, you want that. I mean, you really do. You don't want to play the Heat because the Heat are now pretty much, I'm not going to say locked in because uh, I guess the Hawks, they could pass the Hawks and, and I doubt the Knicks, but I, you got to keep that too, I think. it's There's a lot of draw to that. Yeah, agreed, yeah. And I think that this is where it... Look, the shortest season, it's meant that the end of the regular season has actually crept up on on fans a little bit. And and I think I, I like the 82-game season, but when it's a little bit shorter and there's obviously all these other storylines like MVP, the injuries, um, like a wild trade deadline that was just amazing, um, that it's been, a, oh it's God. been a pretty amazing... It's been a pretty amazing season for fans and soon we'll get to roll into the playoffs. Hate it or love it with the play-in tournament. It's interesting. Um, the NBA will do things that that drive people mad, but you know that at the end of the day that if come if there's a playing game or, or a couple of playing games, that people are, are probably going to love it. The la- last year, the the Grizzlies Trailblazers one was was amazing. Um, so mm-hmm. it's going to be a great... I think it's going to be a great finish to the season. What... If you had to give a prediction, oh, I'm just going to put you on the spot. Um, All right. <laughs> who, who's going to win each conference and then who's your pick to win the title? Oh, man. The West, I have no idea. I have <laughs> no West, clue. I, I changed by the hour. <laughs> I mean, like a week ago, I would have told you the Clippers. Um, and I, ah, God, I don't know. I think I'm still going to say the Clippers. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to say the Nets out of the East. Though I do think the Bucks give them a good test. Um, yeah. that's a matchup. Everybody, all these net, you know, Nets fans right now are, oh, if we had Harden, it'd be over in five, it'd be over in six. That's a tough matchup, man. They, they have what it takes. I mean, they got a top five offense or it's going to hover around that. And they got the, the defensive, whatever the defensive outline of, of a, of a, just, they have the right guys to throw at the nets. You got, you know, Giannis, which was fun. If you watch that second game, you're seeing Giannis guard KD. It's like, yes, this is what we want. Um, you have him, you know, PJ, who's going to come out there and just be physical. Drew's a good counter for either one of Harden or or Kyrie. That's a good series. That actually might be the best series that we see in the playoffs right there. It's, I so. yeah. it's I think, winner of that series, there's a good chance that team comes home with the, with the championship. Um, although I, I have been impressed by the Clippers. So, uh yeah i think that's what i would go with right now but it, it changes hourly like i just it could be anything the lakers have started to show life of course they have of course they, <laughs> of have. Course they have like <laughs> so um and ad oh yeah i know it's great yeah ad starts showing some life and lebron's gonna come back and, and the ankle's gonna be fine and i i feel bad for phoenix man you <laughs> you have this incredible year and if you had to play lebron in round one i mean that's that's tough. <laughs> that it's, is tough. tough, man. That's tough. And I, I think what I love about um, the West there is that, like, the Jazz, like, have been really good a, a, as a yep. regular team for two or three years. And you know that they don't want to get punched in the mouth again in round one. And they're like, they're like, no. man, we've upped our three volume. We're an amazing defensive team. We've got other guys on the margins. Um, like, we've got Bogdan back. And then when you look at the Suns, it's the same. And I, I mean, I'm a big Chris Paul guy and looking at, um, you know, the way that he's changed his, his uh, exercise regime uh, and then his diet. I was listening to a podcast with, uh, with Dwayne Wade and he talked about mm. how Chris Paul had actually used his trainer 
um, use Dwayne Wade's trainer to change his body. And he's only missed something like one game or two games this season and last season um, as he's got back into, you know, probably he doesn't have that explosive first step that he used to, but he's playing at an all-NBA level. Um, and here's a guy yep. that, you know, him and LeBron are boys, obviously, but um, here's a, a guy that's one of the most competitive dudes in the league. And uh, if there would be one upset, it would be, look, it would be cool if the Suns could make the second round, would be pretty awesome. And I mean, Devin Booker is obviously pretty amazing as well, but um, I'd love to see a bit of a run from Chris Paul because he's he's just that guy. Me too. Me too. I've, I'm, I mean, again, as I said, like uh, the same reasons that I, I love Nash as a player, uh, it's the <laughs> same with Chris Paul. I mean, it's just, that I grew up on, you know, it's a different era of point guard now. But I grew up on pass first. I mean, that's the that was the position. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that's why Nash is going back saying, I wish I'd taken more threes. But it's like, <laughs> that's just not how the position was played at that point. You were still kind of in the table setter mode. And it's, Chris Paul is great. He's kind of kept that with him. And he's translated into this era. Um, it's just the, the, the stuff you can do on that little, that elbow, that elbow mid-range shot. I love it. I mean, it's great. So I, I would love to see to see uh, Chris Paul, you know, get get to round two, beat the Lakers. It'd be fun, but it's, it's going to be good. I, the West is going to be crazy. I mean, I, the West playoffs are going to be absololely fantastic. I think that first round is just going to be absolutely nuts. Um, and, I mean, the, the season's been a little hard at points just with guys being in and out of the lineup. But I've got to say, the standings being the way they are is – the one good thing about that, right? You know, all the madness that we've had this year, you look at the standing, it's like, it's pretty interesting, especially out West. So, yeah. Well, what about, we, we'll quickly touch on the Warriors to finish. Um, with Steph Curry, he just ever have to average 45 points in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, yeah. And let's yes, say they play the Jazz with point five. They've got a point five lead on the point five game lead on the, on the Grizzlies, who I don't think are going to be that great. Yeah, no, I I think they'll probably play the Jazz, um, which I think <laughs> Draymond trying to get into whoever's head, Rudy Gobert's <laughs> head, is television for me. I need that. I mean, that is, yeah. I I don't know. That's actually. I mean, I think Utah's gonna win because they just have such a talent advantage. Yes. But man, it's like, hey, Rudy, you better be playing at the level a lot in this series. <laughs> That's an absolute nightmare. <laughs> he has to, and I think. The, the way that shooting teams have played bigs off the court and, and lots of series, um, you know, obviously a big Steve Adams guy coming from New Zealand, seeing the way mm. that have been played off the court in the playoffs, I mean, I know that, that the, the way that the Jazz are coached is you know, of a pretty high level. Um, but there's yep. a massive amount of pressure now on on Rudy to be that guy. You know, He just signed the massive extension. Um, he is, in my eyes, because their identity is, is in a lot of ways defense that he's their best player. Um, and, and, a, and a, I think yeah. Donovan is obviously a great scorer, but the, he's really so important to what they do. He has to have a massive series. And I think the biggest test for them, I mean, obviously they want to win a title, you know, make the conference finals, but the biggest test could be for, the, for everything that they do, Steph Curry and the Warriors in round one, because that will test exactly what it is that they've been doing, which is, pulling these guys out on the floor and making them defend in space. Isn't it funny? Like after all those years of getting unlucky and drawing Harden, they, they finally get Harden out of the conference. It's like, <laughs> Oh, you might have to like, like, it's like, you can't win. I mean, honestly, that I, I, yeah. I mean, you know, there's, 
I don't know if I could pick. I mean, I guess Lillard is another one where it's like, that's absolutely a disaster. Like you can't run a semblance of drop on, on Dame. Dame's going to just pull up over anything. But um, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. And it's, it's this weird thing where it's like, they've built a team outside of Rudy. It's mostly guys that are looking to get out and, and stretch the floor. Like he's a defense yeah. unto himself. So if they're solving for him, if, if they're putting him in a predicament where it's like, man, we don't know what to do right now. <laughs> Rudy is just, it's, he looks a little bit out of his element. Now, granted, I think you can get away with that because what they do strategy wise, you know, put Rudy on a non shooter or whatever. And the Warriors are loaded with those. Like he can play free safety off just whoever he wants. <laughs> um, it's, it's just, it's not much outside of, out of Steph in terms of three point shooting, but yeah, I mean it's it's fascinating. Like it's it's how rare is that where you get a one eight and you're kind of like, you know, I think I know who's gonna win, but boy, it's really weird that one of the however many best whatever you want to put Steph Curry best twenty five best thirty players ever is gonna be in the eight seed playing against this number one seed that people I think still have a lot of questions about. That's been a really good run. I buy the Jazz probably more than the average person. But how fun is that? You have that as a potential one eight, probably not even the, you know, what is that? I mean, you have what three other, maybe that's the the second worst series or even the worst series in the first round in the West. And that series is awesome. Like it's, it's very fun when this happens in the first round. Yeah, it is that man, the beauty of NBA basketball, the beauty of NBA basketball. Yep. Um, I really appreciate you, Matt, coming on and chatting with me. Um, also giving a really great, a breakdown of the playoffs for um for us back here in New Zealand and, <laughs> and, and chatting about our boy Sean. Um Yeah. Yeah, he's he's such a great um, you know, beacon for, for New Zealand basketball and what he's been able to do with his not just his um coaching career, but obviously sorry, um not just his career as a GM but um playing as well and um and hopefully we we get to see him and the Brooklyn Nets on the highest stage in the conference finals and, and in the NBA finals. Um, I hope you stay so safe over there, man, and um, and yeah, keep doing what you do, and uh, yeah, love that Nets coverage, and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Of course, thank you for having me on. Awesome, thanks heaps, my man.